If you love traditional quilting ideas with a bit of a modern spin, you will love today's guest. Oh, who am I kidding? No matter what kind of quilting you do, you will love today's guest. From pattern design to books to her insanely popular quilt alongs and the groundbreaking stripology rulers, today I'll have a chat with Gudrun Erla of GE Designs. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore the stories, the connections, and the joy of guests in the quilting world. I'm your host, Brandy Maslowski, the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share this week's episode with you. So here we go. My guest today is Gudrun Erla. She is a pattern designer, writer, and is famous for creating her stripology rulers. But something that really caught my eye was the explosion in growth of her community over the pandemic by just giving the quilters what they need. When we all felt trapped at home with lockdowns, Gudrun created events that brought us together doing what we love. Today, her business, GE Designs, has grown into a one-stop shop for everything quilting. So let's explore the story of Gudrun Erla. Gudrun, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I am so happy to have you here. I have been wanting to meet you forever. I was excited to finally meet you at QuiltCon last year. Yes, And I'm yes. so happy to have you on the show. So I love to start off by taking a little look back at where you got started. So when do you first remember putting stitch to fabric? Well, quilting-wise, it wasn't until my early 20s. I mean, sewing was a part of my life, my grandmothers did a lot of sewing and, and things like that. I wouldn't say that I was, you know, a sewer or kind of handworked wasn't my thing. I was kind of very active physically, sp loved sports and stuff, but always creative. So it was always a part of my life. But it wasn't until in my early 20s, the quilt tech caught my eye at an early age because one of my friend's mom was a quilter and they had quilts over all over their house and they just intrigued me. It was more so the design of how all the colors and the, and the fabric patterns that you, then you cut, you know, they were cut up and they come together and create another pattern and all these things that intrigued me. And I always thought to myself, this is really cool. This will be fun to do, you know, when I'm old. So, <laughs> right. So then I was a busy mom, working mom, and I had yeah, a couple of businesses going out at that time, teaching. And I happened to walk into the local sewing store. This is living in Iceland, born and raised in Iceland, living in Iceland in a small town and had a sewing store. I shouldn't say quilt shop because sewing store, but yeah. it had this quilting class advertised, beginner quilting class. And it just so happened to be on Wednesday nights, my only night off a week. Nice. And yeah, I was teaching. I'm a PE teacher by trade. So I was teaching at school during the day and then at the health club at night, teaching aerobics and training and stuff like that. But one night off a week and I thought, you know what? I can just learn this now, this quilting thing. And then I can just do it later when I have more time, you know, when yeah. I'm old. Yeah. But of course, first night of class and that fabric addiction and just, uh, yeah, it was immense from the start. It, it was really kind of, it's weird what happens to us when, when it clicks and when you just get hooked all the way in. And so 
that was it for me. And I, I started quilting and I started doing as much as I could right away. And it was a little challenging because in Iceland, we only had two quilt shops. Both of them were located in the city. And so was about an hour drive for me. But they were also just open uh, during regular business hours. And neither of them had a website or an online store, which I thought was odd because if you know anything about Iceland, it's an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and it's only inhabited around the coast. So there's, I knew there were quilters everywhere, yeah. but yet they had to rely on their, you know, city trips to the capital to to stock up on fabric. So, but I was ordering fabric online from the states all the time because there were some online shops already popped up back then. But it wasn't until 2000 I actually dove all the way in. I was pregnant and I decided we just moved into this house and with an empty basement, you know, that's always dangerous. And I had this idea of opening the first Icelandic online quilt shop. Uh And so I did, I mean, (laughs) uh, kind of a way to serve myself, (laughs) get me some fabric closer at hand. But I also was confident that we had quilters all over the country. They were in my same position. And and it turned out that it, it really blossomed. Um, so it opened first online quilt shop 2000. And then a year later, I opened a storefront in my small town. And so I had a classroom, was teaching. And a year after that, I opened a second store. And and that's kind of where where the story starts uh, as far as designing, because that's where I started designing patterns. So writing yeah. instructional patterns first, just in Icelandic, just to have something, you know, for classes and to sell the fabric in the store. But yeah, that's that's a long story of how I got into it. So it didn't take long from introduction till um, waist deep and. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like it moved really fast, but I want to go back a little bit to your childhood in Iceland. Did you have, you know, certain people in your life that had a creative impact on you early on? Oh, definitely. I have a lot of, in both sides of my family, a lot of creatives. And so it starts with the grandmas. They were both sewers, knitters, and all the aunts. And my mom too made clothes. So everybody, that was just a means, you know, a means to an end too, not necessarily creatively, but I remember as a little, little kid, my, also my grandfather, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, was lucky enough to get to spend a lot of time with them. And he was a painter, a house painter, but he, he was an artist too. So, and his brothers and then my uncles. And I remember like vivid, I don't think I was more than three or four. I spent the weekend at my grandparents and my grandfather built me a doll bed and then he always got me involved. So we painted it and we put all kinds of artsy stuff on it. And then my grandma made the bedding and all that for the doll and clothes and stuff. And so that was, it's vivid in my, my brain that, that uh, weekend, but I probably wasn't more than three or four back then, but that just kind of, you know, it sits with you and that experience of creating and with your family and bringing that joy out is just, it sticks with you. So as soon as you get, you know, I think that feeling when I started sewing and quilting, it just all comes back like so nostalgically and that feeling of how how much joy that gives you. Yeah. So do you remember that quilt you made on Wednesday nights? Can you describe that to us? Yes. So like you would get to pick from uh, this was way back in the day. So there was a log cabin or there was a lover's knot. 
So I did the lover's knot, but I didn't do a a bed quilt. I've just made like a table runner and some placemats, but that was the first, the first one I made was a a classic lover's knot, which is a play on a, pretty much a play on a a log cabin block, but yeah. Yeah. So it's (laughs) such a nice story how you fell in love with it to the point where you started an online business and then you started the bricks and mortar business. So let's talk about your quilting style for a minute. So how did your quilting style kind of grow and blossom over, over time? Yeah, I the love for fabric and the different colors and textures has always been kind of a a pull for me. And so when, as I design, sometimes the fabric inspires design, sometimes, you know, other things. Usually when I first when I was starting to design, what really drove me was finding a little bit faster and easier ways to do things, because this was back in the 90s, you know, and it's we had rotary cutters, but it was, you know, techniques were kind of limited. You're still just doing very traditional things. And I was a, you know, I was a working mom. And so time for me to quilt was limited. It was just limited to the evenings when they were in bed, or maybe I could sneak some time on the weekends. But I, I just wanted to accomplish things a little bit faster, but yet not make it look like it was, you know, something super simple. Yeah. So my first ever pattern that I published was actually a quilt as you go taper runner called the braid runner. Oh. And it was back then nobody had really done anything with quilt as you go other than just like, you know, log cabin pot holders or something like that. So I just kind of took that method and then like, well, let me do something more interesting with it. And so that kind of started that whole thing about uh, my name got kind of tied to quilt as you go patterns. But I was doing a lot of other things as well. I would say what is a kind of a, a common thread through all my designs too is my love of fabric. So I love to include multiple different fabrics in a quilt. So uh, most of my designs, not all though, have some kind of a scrappy element to it. Yeah. And defining my style has always been really hard because I'm a geometric designer. So yeah. my fat, my patterns can be translated into whatever style, depending on your colors and your fabrics and things like that. So I kind of, I would say straddle that line between modern and, and traditional. And, but yeah. my drive is always to find a different way to do things. So my yeah. quilts may look really hard, but they really are not. Yeah. And I love that your patterns are so achievable. Like they're achievable to different types of quilters who like different styles, but they they fit with con- any contemporary fabric that you want to use. So they yes, stick with yeah. the times really easily. So let's take a look at the timeline a little bit. So you're in Iceland and you have your company. It's it's online. Now it's bricks and mortar. Did you start selling and designing patterns there or was it after the move that you started doing that? No. So I started there and I, they were in Icelandic. So the pattern started off in Iceland. It was just hanging in the store. But of course, everything that I sold in the store came from the U.S. Uh, I sourced everything from wholesales and fabric companies here. So I would come to the States, you know, try to go twice a year to quilt market to, you know, to buy for the stores. And but then I had Checker Distributors is one of the biggest distributors in, in our industry. And so I had a sales rep was their international sales rep that would come to visit me in Iceland. It was mainly because he loved Iceland. So he used any opportunity Uh to come, but he would come and, you know, just to, to check on me and, and sell me stuff. And he was the one that saw the patterns and 
thought they really were good and said, you need to, you need to put these into English and, you know, you need to market them in the States. So I kind of thought about it and I'm like, you know, I had at that point, it was three kids and little kids and two business, three businesses pretty much. And just wild. Didn't really think I would have the time. So it took me a few, few months to a year to, okay, let me try this. And I just thought the plan was really just to bring the patterns to the States when I would come to quilt market and, you know, collect my extra few dollar bills and buy some more fabric for it and go home happy. That was really the plan. But 2003, I released the first seven patterns in English and took them to quilt market and the distributors picked them up right away. And so then, you know, the order started coming and it was, yeah, okay. It was, I figured out the first few orders and then I I realized, okay, this is not going to work because not many people would want to deal with importing and duty and taxes and, and the shipping between countries. So I had to either figure out a way to have a fulfillment service in the U.S., which back then, 20 years ago, wasn't really an easy thing to find. Yeah. Because they were also, you'd have to produce the patterns and do all that stuff. And then I just had to think about it and really saw an opportunity in, as far as the designing part, that was always my favorite, of course, just creating and especially coming up with new ideas and things. And I saw an, a, a kind of a glimpse of a, of a world where I could maybe, maybe this could be my main job of, as a pattern designer, which it could never be my main job if I lived in Iceland. We're such a small country. But maybe that could could be a career and I could just do that and not all the other jobs <laughs> that yeah. I did. And so um, three months after making the decision, I moved to the States. Wow. With a dream in my pocket, I guess. And so, so 32 years old, you moved from Iceland to Canada. Did you have whole family in tow? Like, how did everybody deal yeah. with that? Yeah, I had, so I had three kids. They, at the time, they were two, three, and 10. And I owned the two stores and we also owned a health club. So sold the businesses. That was an easy decision. And then, you know, you sell all your stuff because it's not worth it to move across the ocean with furniture that probably wasn't that nice to start with anyways. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, it's really interesting. Your My life fit on a pallet and a half my whole life. I sold a lot of the stuff, you know, except wow. for the kids. I kept, I kept the kids. And, <laughs> but I was, uh, yeah, so a pallet and a half, that's what it boiled down to. And I always say too, is like, you really, you really have to figure out what really matters to you in life. And it's, it's cleansing. It's, it's when, and it was so, you know, symbolic because I was starting a whole new life, just kind of shedding what was there. It's, it's back then is it was, and it kind of can still, still be living in Iceland. It's tough. You have to, people work hard to make a living. And so I didn't see my kids a lot. I didn't have much time. And so it was also just kind of a desperate uh, outreach to, to change. Yeah. But I was really proud on that pallet and a half. There was not one piece of newspaper because all my china and glasses were wrapped in fabric. (laughs) (laughs) You had enough fabric to wrap wrap every single valuable thing. What's (laughs) what's important to me is, of course, is going to be my fabric stash. I'm bringing that for sure. So, (laughs) Oh, that is so So, great. Okay, so let's jump ahead to today. Where are you living now and who are your loved ones that you share your world with every day? 
so we moved to Minnesota, to Minneapolis area of Minnesota to, in the beginning. So I'm still there. My my business is located here. I do get to now, just starting last year, spend a part of my winter in Florida. But but that's, I'm still, this is my home base. And so my kids are grown now. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're grown. I got two grand grandkids now they live out in portland oregon but i get to see them quite a bit and my two younger kids are still kind of local one of them works for me now so that's beautiful and i just uh i've been in a relationship for over 10 years now but we just got married last year to my husband oh congratulations he's known as mr hp in the business and now you can call him a quilter he's a long-arm quilter now Oh, nice. Oh, that is so sweet. It's so nice when your family's all involved, right? I know it is. Yeah. So I want to know of all the places in North America, why choose cold (laughs) winters of Minneapolis? (laughs) Right. Uh, That makes no sense if you've been here. But, you know, when I moved, I really wanted to, obviously, with little kids coming from Iceland, I wanted to be in a place where we'd have at least four seasons, you know, yeah. they need to, can't take a kid out of Iceland and then all of a sudden you live in Florida. So yeah. um, there was that. I had also been to Minneapolis many times and I really loved it. I loved the people and um, kind of the atmosphere. Well, I wasn't really aware that, you know, a lot of a lot of Minnesotans are Scandinavian. So of course oh. I felt right at home, but also the quilting you know, the quilting aspect is lots of quilt shops here or were, and the quilting is really prevalent here. That's yeah. rich history. Now, the side note is that back then, I also wanted to be close to an airport that I could fly direct because, you know, I was taking three babies away from their grandparents, which is, you know, yeah. horrible. And my whole family is in Iceland still. So I wanted to have an easy way for them to come and visit, an easy way to, for us to get back. And back then, the only airline that flew direct to uh, the States was Iceland Air, and they only flew into five cities. So my <laughs> options were uh, Orlando, Florida, Baltimore, Boston, New York City, and Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made it a little bit easy for yeah. me, the choice. Yeah, I've always enjoyed Minneapolis. I used to live in central Canada and we used to drive nine hours straight south to Minneapolis to go to big concerts and things like that. Yes, so yes. it was always fun for us to go down to the States. Yes. Now, do oh. I love the January 30 below? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. But beautiful summers and falls. This is a beautiful time of year here. So yeah, and that's why you can go to Florida now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's jump into the business a little bit. So yes. Tell me how you came up with the business name. It sounds like initials, but uh, just tell us kind of what is your gem? What is the business all about in a nutshell? Yeah. So, I mean, the name uh, got stuck back in Iceland. I mean, I had to come up with a name. So it was easy. My first and middle initials, GE, because I knew kind of my last name. Uh, Iceland still has the patronymic last names. And so my last name is Gisla Daughter because I'm the daughter of Gisli is my dad's first name. So yeah, my last name is Gisla daughter. My brother's last name is Gisla son. Yep, yeah. we still use that. And so I knew that was going to be a tongue twister for the American market. Yeah. So my company became GE Designs, but I have Iceland in it. So in the logo, always GE Designs Iceland. And that's just, even though we're not there, it was a part of the birth. So it's still there, GE Designs Iceland. 
I do yeah. get questions about it sometimes. What's that yeah, about? Yeah. But it's a good yeah. it's a good conversation starter. I have a real desire to go to Iceland because we have two very close friends who live in central Canada. And Karen, her last name is Peter's daughter, and their children's last names are Rogerson. And they go to Iceland a couple times a year usually. And they keep telling us, you must come with us. So we really do want to go one day. I'm sure we will. Yeah, you should. You yeah. totally should. I'm sure we will. Okay. So speaking of the business, you have this wonderful online presence now that has just blossomed, especially over Mm -hmm. the pandemic, but regardless, it's blossomed. So can you give us a little kind of just a picture of your business as it is now in a nutshell? Well, as it is now, very different from pre-pandemic, I have to say, and nothing that I imagined. I thought I was never going to open a quilt shop again. (laughs) But here we are. It is so a full online, online store, and we sell fabric and notions and everything online. Although our business model is quite different from others, we sell all of our fabrics are pre cut into and coordinated into either half yard bundles, we sell a lot of basics in one yard cuts and three yard cuts and all these things. So uh, lots of notions, of course, anything that uh, is tied to the Strabology rulers and my books and patterns are on there as well. Yeah. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's a, it's a one-stop shop now for most things that you need for quilting. But the other aspect is uh, I have a lot of videos, you know, uh, you, we have a lot of programs where, where it's a pattern and a video class and things like that, sew alongs, and then we do our live shows. Yeah. Um, I do twice a week uh, on YouTube and Facebook still. This is something that we kind of escalated into during the pandemic and people just still love it. We've added a couple of other shows that other people on our team do. So it's just been uh, a really fun roller coaster ride and we're not intending to get off of it anytime soon because it's just really, really fun. Yeah. And I really want to dive into a whole bunch of the the things that you're doing in your business. Um, But I want to get back into the story a little bit, Mm -hmm. because there was a time when you were designing fabric as well. Yeah. So soon after uh, we moved here, I started vending at the quilt market, the wholesale trade show. And uh, I was approached by a fabric company and asked if I was ever in, you know, interested in designing fabric. And of course, I mean, that is every designer's dream. If you design patterns to be able to sew with your own fabrics. So I I did that for uh, quite a while and it was just, they noticed my quilts and patterns and things. And so I designed for a company called Red Rooster Fabrics, which is no longer here. And I designed 14 fabric lines with them. It was, it was a fun time. It was, you know, I, I should say it was a little harder for me because I'm not really coming from an artist background as many fabric designers come from. Yeah. So uh, I had to push myself really to draw and and do all that, which was good in the end, but it took a long time. So it takes it took me a, a long time to do the fabric design. And that's essentially why I needed a break from it, because yeah. When you design fabric and then, you know, you need to use that fabric and they expect you to use, you know, make certain patterns and do put it in books and things like that, which is all beautiful. But you get all kinds of deadlines put on you that don't really necessarily work for your business that you're also trying to run. And and so that was challenging and it was really hard because sometimes we would get the sample fabric maybe 
two, three weeks before quilt market. And we would have to, I'd have to make the quilts, get them quilted, get them photographed, get them put in a book and print the book ideally before the show. I mean, the process has changed through the years, but that's how it was back then. So it was rough. I I mean, you were exhausted before you went to the show and then you got there and (laughs) yeah, just sleep deprived and tired, but yeah, well, it I mean, sounds it was... like a lot of work. And I mean, well, the thing with 14 different lines of fabric is a mm-hmm. lot. That's an achievement. Yes. So what What did it feel like? Do you remember the first time you had your own fabric that you designed in your hands? Oh, my gosh. That's that's the feeling that you know you never forget. Yet yeah, to see in your name on that salvage. And so I, you know, I was hoarding my fabric for a long time, but I finally just decided, you know what, I can release it. I have the quilts. I have a quilt from every single line that I designed. I was really lucky to be working with a a fabric company where I could really change up the style of the line and the colors every time. That's sometimes not the case anymore, because if a designer has a certain look, they want you to stay with that look. But I had a lot of freedom and that was fun. So I got to explore a lot and learned a lot, you know, learned a lot. And But, you know, in the end, it just was kind of holding me back from the pattern design. And it was interesting because when I decided that I wanted to take a break, I always still say I'm still on a break because people ask me all the time if I want to do that again. I wrote three books that year after I stopped. So that just tells you something that there was just stuff waiting to come out. It just didn't have the chance. So yeah. And I haven't, I'm still on the break, I guess now. (laughs) Let's dive right into those books and talk about those. So tell us about your first few books. So the first few books were really tied to the fabric lines, but well, the first two, I I self, I've been self-publishing ever since the start. So all my patterns and books started out as self-published. Then I went through a phase where I wanted to really, you know, the publishers were reaching out out to me and wanting me to write for them. And so let me, let me try that. I'd heard all kinds of stories of writing for publishers. And so, so I tried it. I literally wrote a book for every publisher and that's a whole different process. If you're coming from a self-published side of things where you can actually make things happen really fast, you can, you know, get your books done. And and as soon as you send it to the printer, you'll have it in hand, you know, three, four weeks later to, to distribute. So that's really awesome in this industry because, you know, fabric goes out of style so fast (laughs) or is not necessarily out of style, but it's just not available. Yeah. Any, you know, so that, that's, that was really fun. So for me to work with a publisher where the process takes up to a year and a half, that was hard. That was hard for me. And not really having full, full creative control because I have a certain way of how I'd like to write patterns and how my customers or my people get used to the way I write patterns. But sometimes those those publishers have their own way and they change things. And so so I, I kind of knew that wasn't for me, but not that I I still like the love the books that that I did with them. And they're still some of them are still selling and we still have them. So then I went just, uh, you know, since then I've been self-publishing. Yeah, um, I I remember the first book I ever saw of yours. I was in a small town in Alberta. I was teaching and I walked up to the counter and I saw this book called Quilts in Iceland or something like that. It was Quilts Quilts of of Iceland. Iceland. Mm -hmm. That was my 20th book. (laughs) I was like, what is this beautiful book? It was gorgeous. I just, just loved it. So Mm -hmm. tell us about the Iceland book. 
Yeah, that one was a labor of love and has, it was an idea that I had for many, many, many years that I wanted to write a book about and all including quilts that were inspired by my country. But I kind of knew that, you know, if I was going to do that, that book would need to be, need to have some photos for, from the inspiration. It would need to have stories. It would need to have maybe some recipes and things. And so I always knew that that was going to be a really big and expensive project. So I'm like, yeah. oh, not now, not now. And then, and then I realized that I was going to be writing my 20th book. And so I just decided, you know what, this is the time I just got to do it. So it's obviously different from any other quilt book. It's, it's yeah. thick and it's got a lot of, so it's kind of, I wanted it to be a, a slash between a quilt, quilt book, a quilting, an instructional quilting book and a coffee table book. Yeah. And so that's. That's what I loved about it. But it it was a labor of love for sure, because I did all of it, all of the layout, all of the graphic design, all of it, and took most of the photos as well. And the recipes are from my family. So it is, uh, but it has only patterns that are inspired by either Icelandic nature, the history of Iceland and Icelanders, or some, a lot of quilts are inspired by the history of handwork in Iceland. Yeah. So. So it was fun and I learned a lot and that book is still out there and people love it. So it was really great. And I think it's introduced Iceland to a lot of people that would have never even thought about it. Yeah, so, so true. I mean, I, when I saw that book, I was just like, I have to figure out who this person is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, of course, I have all kinds of patterns that you have and everything like that. So before we go into more of your patterns and more of your books, I want to chat a little bit about design. I always love talking mm -hmm. about design with all of the designers. So yeah. when you see something in the world that sparks an idea in your mind, how do you capture that? Do you do pencil the paper? Is it all digital for you? Uh, easiest way these days is a photo with your phone. You always have your phone. Yeah. So I take a lot of photos if I see something. My inspiration comes from all kinds of places. One thing that I would say and advise people don't get inspired by quilts mm -hmm. <laughs> because it, it, I don't like if it's been done, I don't want to do it, except for the only occasion would be if I see a classic and I have an idea of changing how I, how the technique, changing up the technique. So I have a quilt in one of my books that's kind of a play on a hunter star, but a much easier way to do it. And, yeah. but it looks like it's harder because it's got a couple of extra triangles in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, And, you know, so that's the only time where I'm inspired by quilts, but other times it's anything. I mean, anything I see that inspires an idea. Uh, sometimes the idea comes from what if I do this and I'm in my head chopping up fabric and um, then I will have to go straight to my sewing room and actually test it out if the technique will work. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, taking that photo or scratching something on a piece of paper but then I usually go to my computer and I draft. If I have a quilt idea in my head, I draft. Sometimes, it's, like I said, I need to play with it. And yeah. it can be any any which way. I usually, when I get into a project, like if I'm working on a book that has either a certain theme or ideas behind it, then the ideas, once I get into that, you know, bubble, I call it my bubble, if I am left alone and I... The ideas come very free-flowingly, and usually I have way more ideas than need to go into the book. But, but it, you know, life gets in the way. Your daily your daily routines and things sometimes can get in the way of creativity. So I always have to create that bubble for myself just to get out of it and let, let it flow. 
gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about how your books, a lot of your books started to be about stripology. So uh-huh. where did stripology come in? This is an invention. So how did that come about? Right. Well, so that was the work on it started probably around 2012. So it's been over 10 years. I started working with creative grids a little bit, just using their rulers in my patterns. They approached me and really loved my patterns and wanted me to work with them on using some of their specialty rulers. And so then as I'm playing with that, I've never, I I should say that first, they wanted me to design a ruler. Like, can you come up with an idea for a ruler? And, and that was a little, uh, I had to pause because I've never been a specialty rulers kind of a girl. And I think it's because I started quilting in Iceland. And so if I wanted to make a quilt that needed a specialty tool and I had to order it, I'd have to wait a month (laughs) before it got there. And then the, you know, urge and the idea is gone. So I always wrote all my patterns just using standard rulers and and techniques you could do with standard tools. So that was a little, I'm like, I don't really want to do anything that would just do certain things. But I knew that there had been slit rulers out there that were not that great. I should be very polite and say that not that great and (laughs) didn't really have much as far as markings on them that would make sense for quilters. But with, I knew that with creative grids, which their accuracy is bar none as far as their rulers and they have that built-in grip on the backside. So it does, the rulers really don't move. I just knew with their accuracy in that, that they could probably make the most awesome slit ruler. So I started just throwing out ideas of like all the things that I would love um, (laughs) in a ruler. And, you know, it's a basic ruler. It can do all of your cutting pretty much. And so now with a family, yeah, now there's a family of four, (laughs) but that's how it started. And the first I had to fight for the name, by the way. (laughs) Topology <laughs> day. Were yeah. you fighting with some other industry? <laughs> no, no. It was, it was I just had to convince industry. the quilting industry that it would be okay yeah. <laughs> to use it. <laughs> That's so funny. And so now it is, I think, a pretty common term in the quilting yeah. industry. Oh, for sure. Know what it is? Yeah, for uh, sure. It but is. you remember it. But you remember it. Mm-hmm. So the first ruler came out 2014. So wow. it's next year. It'll be. 10 years since the first herbology ruler. So obviously with the tools, I started incorporating them into my books, but I always write all my books and patterns, you you know, with instructions, how you can use regular tools, but yeah. obviously with the rulers, it's so much easier and faster and more accurate yeah. and all that other stuff. So uh, now there have been, let me think, six herbology books. Yeah, yeah, and you've you've had a lot of fun with it. You've done stripology, and then you added the element of mixology. What's that all about? Yeah, so the idea. So what I've done throughout my career, I love designing with within a parameter of something like, for example, pre-cut. So I've been doing two and a half inch strip patterns since before the jelly rolls came out. So because I've always just loved to cut up my leftovers into strips and save them, and so and this here comes the scrappy element of not you know wanting to include a lot of different fabrics. So always designed with that idea in mind. So then came the layer cake. So 10 inch squares and five inch squares and then two and a half inch strips and then one and a half inch strips. Those are all units that mathematically add up really well in quilting and in shapes. And so I've always been designing with those. And so, uh, and so my patterns. So the mixology first started, I wanted to do a book that 
didn't just focus on one pre-cut, but you know, the quilts could be done with all the different pre-cuts and some of them may be one or two different pre-cuts. But the premise is also because if you've used pre-cuts, you also know that they're not really accurate. <laughs> you know, that those pink edges can be really challenging based on, and they're never the right size and they're always kind of crooked. And and then also the the substance of them, that means uh, the composition of what fabrics you get in there or colors are never uh, really balanced. They're always those few fabrics that are just a little, I call them unfortunate yeah. <laughs> in there. So I started, I just loved cutting my own with the Strabology rulers, being able to cut everything so accurately. I, I love to cut my own either fat quarters or half yard cuts into those units. So and that's kind of what we stand for here at the store now or in my store. We sell all these half yard bundles because you can cut up your half yard bundle into 10 inch squares. And then the rest of the half yards you cut into either five inch squares or two and a half inch strips. And so you can be making a couple of quilts from your fabric. But every single half yard like bundle is coordinated and, and works together. And yeah, and then you get perfectly accurate cuts when you start. So that was the idea of the mixology. But then one of my hobbies, and this kind of started because I started this Facebook group, you know, back in 20, soon after the Strabology Rulers came out, it was a close group. And I, I just wanted to open up to the group more about, you know, learn more about me other than just quilting and, and kind of building that community. And, and one of my hobbies and things I love to do, I love to cook, but I also love to make cocktails, yeah. craft cocktails. So if I was going to name the book Mixology, I wasn't going to have to, but I wanted to put cocktail recipes in there. And (laughs) unbeknownst to me, quilters love that. So (laughs) there has been a put. there was a push when I was going to do a second book, like, aren't there going to be recipes in that too? So now there are three Mixology books. Yeah. So fun. Okay. And let's talk about your latest book. It's Master Your Stripology Rulers. That is the latest book that came out this summer. So this one I've been kind of also waiting to put out until the family was complete. So the fourth Stripology Ruler came out this summer too. And so what Master Your Stripology Rulers book, what that is, it's it's kind of a a user guide. I call it our stripopedia. Okay. (laughs) So it, it contains all of the charts that you would ever need to use the rulers for any kind of cutting. So it shows you how to, you know, cut in quarter inch increments, even though most of the rulers have half inch increments. Mm-hmm. And then it shows you how to cut eighth inch increments with the smaller rulers. It shows you how to cut 60 degree triangles and diamonds and parallelograms and 45 degrees diamonds and, and right triangles. So you can kind of adapt any pattern that you have so that somebody else wrote with different rulers and you can cut everything with a stripology ruler. So it has that stripologizing, we call it stripologizing somebody else's pattern. Yeah. So you can take those units and, and work with the rulers, but taking it further also like all of your units, like half square triangles, quarter square triangles, combination units and flying geese, which was the big one. We come up with easy ways to do that and where you kind of skip a lot of steps which is always my goal. Like why do something if it really doesn't matter in the end, if you can skip a step in the process and uh, make things quicker and more enjoyable, why not? And still turn out. So like half square triangles, you size up and you're never cutting a seven eighth inch increment or anything. You're just cutting whole inches or half inches. And then 
you square it up in the end with the rulers, which is one of the best features about the astrology rulers is this uh, squaring up feature. So you no longer need yeah. to have multiple different squares. <laughs> yeah, all those rulers, you just need one. Yeah, it's kind of interesting um, because you've sort of started off with that notion of, oh, gee, I don't know if I really want to add another ruler to the mix of all these specialty mm-hmm. things. But you've created specialty rulers that act as all of the actual rulers we mm-hmm. need in the first place. So you can start yes. off as a beginner with just tropology. And yeah, good I to actually... Go. I actually, and you're so right, because if people start quilting using those tools, because they just make things easier, they make things accurate from the start. Yeah. I think their journey as a quilter is going to be so much more enjoyable and fun and successful because we, I think we all know everybody that started to quilt. Cutting was a little challenging because, you know, that was something that required precision and you know, maybe not used to using fractions all the time in everyday life. But yeah, so the Master Your Strabology book kind of becomes this encyclopedia for the Strabology user. So it was, it's kind of a reference book, I would say. But the yeah. G-Easy Flying Geese method has also been nicknamed the No Crying Flying Geese method. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, you know, you just eliminate all those drawing lines and and then you square things up to a perfect flying geese. So no matter yeah. if your seam allowance was a little off or maybe your pressing was a little skewed, but in the end we fix it. So, yeah. So that's well, been kind of fun. And, and and like I said, I couldn't write that until the fourth fourth family member joined the family. So now we can now we can do anything. <laughs> now you can do anything. Well, and you yeah. have something really fun going on as well. You cannot personally be everywhere at all times teaching all over no. the world. So you have started a new certification program. So tell us all about yes. that. So that was also something I've had in my brain for a while, but it needed all these things needed to come together, especially this book and 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 the full full circle. As you probably know, I was traveling all over the world and and the U.S. especially prior to COVID. I was on the road probably about 175 days out of the year. Wow. Which then, you know, March, mid-March, all of a sudden you're grounded. (laughs) But now that the business has changed so much, I don't have the time or capacity to travel like that and teach, although I'm still getting nonstop requests and I'm I'm one of those that has a really hard time saying no, mm-hmm. but teaching using the the rulers and and just my way of teaching we call it also the, like the G Easy way so that's my other brand is G Easy yeah. we make things G Easy and so being able to train instructors to teach that way and that know the rulers and can really enhance quilters' lives and just make things easy and fun and enjoyable I can create really awesome looking quilts that look hard but it was a piece of cake is just a dream so we just finished our first certification course in September and we have a few more scheduled for um, one for end of this year and then we're going to be in um, Raleigh North Carolina in February right after QuiltCon with another certification course and then and we'll keep going and it's exciting. So um, it's just a way of building a network and spreading the joy of, of the Strabology way of life. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening right now and you are a teacher who's been teaching for a while and you think it might be nice to have another way to expand mm-hmm. your teaching business, you can head on over to the website. It's gequiltdesigns.com and just mm-hmm. click on Stripology certification and you'll you'll be able to connect and find out if it's a good fit for you. 
Yes, we had two Canadians in the first certification course. So we're, okay. we're excited. Okay, so I want to go back and talk a little bit about that pandemic pivot that you made, mm. because you said earlier to me that it was the perfect storm. So tell us what happened when the pandemic hit and what did you do? Yeah, so again, I was traveling a lot. I had started, though, um, doing some live shows. And I did like a Happy Friday show. It was called Facebook Friday back then. Happy Friday show. Every Friday, I would go live in my little group on Facebook. And it didn't matter where I was. I was in a hotel room somewhere. And that's where I kind of started doing a new cocktail recipe every Friday. And sometimes I was sourcing wherever I was, whatever I could find. And it was kind of fun and, and interesting. And, and just our followers love to, you know, find out where I was and what I was teaching and just whatever was going on. And then I had started a second show on Tuesdays called Tipsy Tuesday. Well, you know, we didn't drink on Tuesdays. We don't drink on Tuesday still, but it's (laughs) it's all the tips. It's all the tips I give on Tipsy Tuesday. So I started doing that, but with the help of my now husband, he really revamped my whole tech setup. So I was only doing those shows when I was home. So in the studio, but we had the whole studio set up for recording. I was also starting to do, you know, some mystery block of the month where you get a video class with it and all kinds of other things. So the studio was all set up. And then March comes, we come home, we had just been on the road for probably 20 days because I had done Road to California and QuiltCon in Austin, Texas, and and things in between. <laughs> and I was getting ready to go teach on a cruise, teach in South Carolina, and then hop on a cruise to teach when everything halted. And so I had students ready that had all their fabrics and all their stuff ready for me to come and spend a week in South Carolina and then teach on a cruise. And, and it was just something I felt so bad that, you know, I can't get there and I feel like we need to do something. And so we, I just thought, okay, I got to do something for my people. Everybody's now stuck at home. And so I pivoted really fast and I said, let's just do a quilt along. Let's go live and I'll, you know, do it like a class. I'll like have little increments where I go live throughout the day and teach them bits of the pattern. And, and we could all be sewing all wherever we are. And it really didn't compute to the way it then ended, how big it ended up being, but I kicked it in right away. And so the first, first, we called it the quarantine quilt along. (laughs) <laughs> but the first one day one day quilt along was the Elvira quilt. And we had, I think, 20 some thousand people that downloaded the pattern. Wow. We went, I went live five times throughout the day and we ended up having people from 37 countries wow, do it. That's awesome. Which was, it was just, it was insane, but it was just so rewarding. Just the fact that, you know. But of course, the system we were running it off of, you know, our live crashed a couple of times and things like that. But it just kind of that started where also we started doing the shows on a regular basis twice a week. And that became a lifeline for folks. Yeah. So the first quilt along was followed by a hope quilt along in the that was in May. And we raised a lot of money for COVID um, related causes. Yeah. And then. Um, it was 2020. So of course, our world changed again, especially in Minneapolis later that summer with um, George Floyd. And so yeah. I did a harmony quilt along later that summer, which 
we kind of delved into into a lot of those issues that you know our communities are faced with um but also raised a lot of money and it was it, it was i mean it was transforming it it we had started i had started selling just a little bit of fabric cuz we were going to the shows and all of a sudden everybody wanted to sew everybody needed fabric and he started saying i'm out of my stash but i don't have anything more in my stash and so, uh, and then, you know, the quilt shops were closed for a while, the, the brick and mortar. So, yeah. so, uh, and not all, unfortunately, all quilt shops had the chance to be able to sell online. And so we just kept ordering more and more fabric and our kids were working for us and kids yeah. and their friends and everything was in our house and it just blew up. And so by October of that year, there was fabric everywhere in my house. We had just built this this beautiful house with it was supposed to be our like forever house. So it was there was a little space for my business. There was like this little room in the back of the garage that was my inventory room and where I shipped stuff out of and then a little office, shipping office, and then I had my studio upstairs. And then my husband had his his studio. He's a musician, so he had his own. So this house was supposed to be built for us for both companies and, you know, yeah. Uh, by October, there was fabric everywhere. We were cutting fabric and folding fabric in the basement, and there was there was no home. There was no house anymore. Yeah. So I got in my car and started driving around finding a, a warehouse, and uh, we moved into a warehouse just literally eight minutes from our house in October, and that's where we still are. We keep expanding into more space and more space, but it kind of changed. It changed everything, but we kept on we're still doing the shows and people thank us all the time for being for saving them during the pandemic because there were so many quilters that were isolated Mm -hmm. and alone at home and that was their lifeline being able to sew and have that feeling of we're sewing together but we're not together we're still working we're working on the same pattern and we always threw in other elements that really bring people together we'd always have when we do our one day sew alongs we'll have a recipe some recipes that people can make ahead of time and so we're eating the same things we're drinking the same things we are we have a playlist of music so everybody's maybe listening to the same playlist as they sew we're working on the same pattern and so so it's just been uh, it's more so than just a tutorial it's yeah kind of the feeling of being together and the lives also when you are live, you know, people are able to comment and, you know, I can answer questions live and things like that. It just gives that other extra element. Yeah. And I love the idea that you focused hundred percent on forming that community, giving Mm -hmm. people what they needed. And when they said to you, I've needed this, this has helped me. You kept doing it. It wasn't a one and and done. Right. And people were inspired by that, you know, so many, uh, so many letters. And now that we get to meet quilters back in person, that so many have came to me and, and talked about how, how they were so inspired mm-hmm. by what we're doing. So I might've given them a pattern, but they, you know, wanted to support us in other ways. So purchasing fabric, or they yeah. were inspired by, you know, they're going to, they give their quilts away. And, you know, I think that's, that's my, always my goal. I give my quilts away myself. I take them mm-hmm. to the homeless shelter every year. And I hand them out personally because there's nothing, nothing else like it than to do it like that. Yeah. And so uh, I encourage people to do that. I've, I've always, always been kind of a part of my philanthropy is to give back. So 
being inspiring people to do the same. It just, it creates such joy. I always say like quilters, we're so special. Our hobby is so special. Not only do we get so much joy out of what we do, making the whole process of the quilt. And then, and then we finish the quilt and we just had so much joy making it and getting through all of the, you know, little challenges or whatever, but then we get the double joy of being able to gift it. Yes. Either give it to someone or just donate it and, there is just something about that. And I always say quilters are the most generous, the most giving people, but they're, they're just the greatest. They're just yeah. the greatest human beings. Because when I teach a room full of quilters, I walk into a full class. It's like, I don't think there are many other hobbies or many other industries like that. You walk in there and all goes away. It doesn't matter where you're from, where you yeah. live, the color of your skin, yeah. what you do for work. We're all just quilters and we all go nuts over a little piece of fabric. I know. That's <laughs> and, true. And seeing each other's fabric. And we I would have people sitting next to each other from all walks of life. I would have a, you know, an 89-year-old sitting next to a 21-year-old, and they're having the best conversations. Yeah. And there aren't many things out there that can do that. And that's why I say quilting is just it breaks all the barriers and just brings us together um, through something that we love to do. But then we also get to yeah. get to give the extra joy of giving it away. So I, yeah. my mission is just let's make more quilts. Let's keep everybody quilting because yeah. it's the best. Yeah. And something that's kind of delightful about the fabric that you sell on your website is mm-hmm. that it's all different kinds of fabric. Like you sell mm-hmm. everybody's fabric. You don't focus on a certain you know niche in fabric. You have all kinds of stuff. So why did you decide to be so you know just all encompassing when it comes to choosing your fabrics? Well, that's me. That's been me. I mean, I told you when I was designing fabric, I got to play. I got to go yeah. and try different things and different color combinations and different styles and stuff, which was really beautiful, but probably I'm sure hard for the fabric company. Yeah. Um, not many that do that, but that's always been me. I'm always inspired. If I see some, a new fabric line, that's just different or yeah. a different colorway. I'm like, Ooh, that's cool. I haven't seen that before. I got to try that. I think you have to, there's a saying in Icelandic, it's not really the same in English. It's, it's, it, you only live if you learn. It's not live and learn. It's you only live if you keep learning. So you always need to keep trying things because yeah. you don't know if you're going to like it unless you try it. And if you try it, if you don't like it, then you know that now, you know, that you don't have to try that again. So I'm always trying to find new, unique fabrics and collections. And we all like so many different things. And so just to be able to cater to to more people, but also to, because that's me, it's not that, I mean, I picked every, every single bundle to, you know, I picked it out. And so I, I love them no matter yeah. what, what style it is. Some, so I always love some more than others, but it's just my joy of, of fabric and loving putting together all kinds of different things. I could never just do one thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really great variety. So let's head yeah. on over to your website right now and have a little conversation about yeah. if people are going to your website for the first time, what are the mm-hmm. little tidbits that you think they should look at first? Well, we have a lot of videos on there. So if you are new to the ruler, so whether you go to the website, there's a, a video tab there. You could go back and watch, for example, all the tipsy Tuesdays. They're listed by what the topic is and things like that. Or you can just watch some tutorial videos on the rulers. But you can also do that, of course, on our, our YouTube channel. 
And I encourage everybody to join that because then you get notified when we are live and fun. Yeah. So there, there is that. And then uh, if you go into the shop, so it's it's all organized by fabrics. You'll you we call them stash builder bundles, even though we don't do much of building the stash. We <laughs> we want you to use it. Yeah. So that's our bundles, our half yard bundles. Then we have our one yards listed and. Uh, what's unique about us, we have one of our cuts of luck. We have a lot of carry, a lot of basic lines. Because I always, when I'm showing my bundles and how I put them together on the shows, I, I do what we call a fabric pull. So I go into the one yard basics because you should always be ready to mix in some basics into the collections you're using. It just makes your quilts so much more layered and so much more, give them so much more texture by by adding other things. I love mixing fabric lines and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I showed them that. So we have a lot of one yards. We have a quantity discount every day on our one year. So if you pick five, mix and match, you get a, a price drop. And then if you get to 10, you'd get another price drop. And I think what's really unique about us probably are some of our programs. Mm-hmm. So we have Fast and Furious Club is now in its fourth season, for example. Yeah. Fast and Furious Club is a quilt as you go. So that's my, you know, my back to my first pattern, the quilt as you go. So they're all kind of small projects, table runners, placemats, you know, table toppers, maybe little baby quilts that you can do where you start with your whole piece of backing and batting. And then you're piecing through the layers so that when you're done piecing, you're also done quilting it. Yeah. It's really good for folks that, because sometimes that quilting part is always a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. So they're fun, easy projects, and it comes with a video class where I take you through all the steps. And you can, even if you've never done it, it's easy. So that's in its, its fourth season. So, but you can always purchase just a single class of those. And so you get the PDF pattern and a video class and off you go. So that's unique. Uh, we, I've done these mystery quilts. Now we just kicked off our third one where it's kind of like a little bit of a travel while staying at home. My first one was called Stroll in Paris. And it's literally based on me uh, walking through the city of Paris and taking pictures. And then on my flight home, I literally designed the quilt around my pictures, my photos. And so it was a mystery quilt. Every month you get like a block that's inspired by a location or a place. And, And then we did Christmas in Europe was... Uh, our last one, which was really fun because I got to kind of explore all of the different Christmas traditions and all the different countries and how they're different and how they're the same. And and now we just kicked off our uh, third one, which is called London Calling. And so we just released our first block this Sunday, this past Sunday. And that's really fun because it kind of, the quilt becomes secondary because uh, it's really fun. Uh, you kind of take it on a journey. And it all goes back to this, what I, we mentioned, I was talking about before, everything should be an experience. So like even the, our sew-alongs are, there's so many other elements. So to give the culture the full experience. And so this first stop in our London was Carnaby Street. So okay. it features like artwork there. And and of course the the red phone box, not phone booth, phone box. Yeah. <laughs> But it's that's that's what's unique about us. Those programs we have also subscription clubs for a basic subscription club is called Goodies Color Club. Mm-hmm. You get five half yards of a single color, different five different fabrics in inspired by 
a photo or a color, and then I pulled similar fabrics. Those are kind of meant to be like your, you know, if, you, if you're an artist, if you paint, like these are your tubes of paint. These are your fabrics that you should just be in your collection, in your, I like to call it collection instead of stash, and that you're able to pull from when you need a little something. Um, and so that's been on its, we're into our third year of that. And there's been people that have been subscribers from the start and they love it. It's always a little surprise when it comes in the mail, what's the color this month. And we just sent out our, our October color and revealed it. It was a uh, cider, like uh-huh. beautiful, rich cider color. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, one of them. And then another one is a quarterly club called goodies bundle club, where I pick out a whole bundle and then they they get that, but they come, it comes with a booklet of, and we make three or four quilts out of that bundle. So they get actual quilt ideas and inspiration to use those bundles, but they are also curated specifically by me. Yeah. Um, so that's really fun. Come play on our website. That's yeah, pretty all much. kinds of goodies on there. So if you're looking on the website and you see some of the maybe past videos or different things like quilt alongs and stuff that you've mm-hmm. done in the past, is there a way that people can still purchase those patterns or participate mm-hmm. in those now? Oh, absolutely. So some of the, if you purchase a pattern that was a quilt along, sometimes the videos come with it. So they're all just in your account on our website, you log in and then you get to all your PDF patterns and then you can watch all the videos there as well. Some of the videos still live free on our YouTube channel from our sew alongs. So early ones definitely do. And there is, you can find links to that. And the best way to find things is just use the search bar because we have an awesome search feature on our website. So if you would, for example, just type in hope or hope quilt along, then they'll all pop up. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's a really good way to, to find things. There's also a lot of free, free patterns on there. If you want to try some things, one of the things that I do, I started doing, this is going to be our fourth year is at, we call it our advent projects. Mm-hmm. These are, you know, advent, the, the holiday season can be hard on folks. And it was extra hard during the pandemic where, you know, you added the pandemic and the isolation on top of that being holidays. And then, you know, people yeah. went through all kinds of trauma and tragedies. So I wanted to do something to keep people occupied, but nothing too overwhelmingly big or hard. So I did every Every on every tipsy Tuesday before the Sunday of Advent, I would do a free tutorial on a more of like a sewing item. Sometimes there was a little quilting, but just little projects that people could make either for gifts or just for themselves. So, you know, it was napkins and things like that. But yeah, this is we've done now three years of that. And so that was really is really what people look forward to those. Those yeah. Patterns. If you are listening right now and you're thinking, oh, I want to check out some of those free patterns, you just go to shop and you scroll down to free patterns. And when you click on there, I'm just scrolling right now. There's like 24 free patterns on there and they're so cute. There's an origami bag, there's pillowcases and table runners. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff, Christmas stuff too, all yeah. kinds of stuff in there. One other thing I wanted to touch on was when you have done some of your quilt alongs in the past, you've named them after people like Wanda and Kimberly and mm-hmm. Elvira. So tell me about that. Why yeah. did you name them after people? Well, so my quilt patterns, most of them are female names. Some of them may be a little androgynous name now, so they could be a male or female. Yeah. So it started with my one pattern called Nina. And so I have to say, being I, I blame blame it for English being my second language. 
But it was always really hard for me to name my patterns because there's so many out there like, you know, pinwheel this and blah, blah, this, trying to describe the pattern and nothing really stuck in your head. So I could never even remember my own pattern name. So it was hard. So uh, when I did my strip patterns, that was easy because I really started playing with those. They're called like strip tees and strip search and (laughs) fun stuff like that. (laughs) But then I had this nine patch pattern. I could not figure out a way. I didn't want to call it nine patch anything. It was kind of a play on a nine patch. So I I think I was watching a movie. I saw this game being played, the dice game, and they were yelling out Nina to try and get nine or something like that. And then oh, I'm like, okay. that's really good, Nina. So I named that pattern Nina. And, and then I just kind of loved that. So I kept going with the female names. Also a little bit because of where I'm from. Iceland is a very female power country. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit of that, my feminist uh, coming out a little bit, but every name is connected to the pattern somehow. Mm-hmm. So whether it is a person, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a place. I have an Alberta pattern. Yeah. It's because I was working on it and designing it when I was teaching in Alberta. Cool. So there's that. And then sometimes it's connected to the design of the quilt like I have a pattern called Kira and the name Kira means sun and the blocks kind of when they come together kind of create like a sun so so there's there's always a connection but people sometimes don't know what the connection is which is kind of fun yeah I just thought that was kind of fun that would be a good chat but the thing is what what has has transpired since I started doing that uh which is way back I started it I don't know 2013 or 14 um is that People remember those names. Mm-hmm. They remember them. And now they want to like, I have, they start asking me, can you please make this name? Cause I have three granddaughters and you have uh-huh. a Zoe and you have a, this and I need this. I need the <laughs> <So> third one. <laughs> I need the third one. So, so I, I'll get suggestions all the time. So it doesn't always work, but, but it, it's so fun. Cool. And it, it makes you remember those names. Yeah. Okay. So a really fun thing that you also did during the pandemic events was you reached out to some big names like Bonnie Hunter, Lisa Alexander, mm-hmm. Pat Sloan. And the, so tell me about some of the collaborations you did over the pandemic. Well, well, that was, you know, they're all friends of mine. I mean, yeah. I've been in the industry for 20 years. So meeting, you know, know a lot of these designers and teachers just from traveling and teaching and being, being in places. So and we always keep in touch. And so this was a time for us when everybody was grounded. And so mm-hmm. we we were talking a lot. And so it just made sense to, to do things together and I love these people dearly. So it was really fun for me also to connect because you have to understand, I keep telling my folks that, you know, you're telling me we got you through the pandemic, but you guys got us through the pandemic. I was literally... Yeah, I shouldn't say homeless. I was out of a job pretty much because, you know, I had these scheduled events that uh, weren't going to bring home the bacon, obviously. But then my husband, as a musician, there was no no events going on either. So and us being at home, coming from being on the road, both of us being like passing ships, we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, luckily, it went really well. (laughs) That's good. And we really like spending time together. So that's that kind of that was that was beautiful but you know it was just as much uh, a lifeline for for me so reaching out to my colleagues was just really really awesome and it just expanded the community reach not just reach but 
how beautiful of a community it is. You know, yeah. people kept saying, you, you guys are, you know, your competition aren't the only, I never look at it as competition yeah. ever because we're colleagues. Even, yeah, we're doing the same thing, but everybody has their own style or should have their own style or their own little twist on things. And so these are my colleagues. These are my, they're my work buddies, even though we don't work together on a daily basis. Yeah. It's so great to just get together and lift each other up. It's awesome. Oh, I know I exactly. That. When you reach out a helping hand, it's just going to bring more to you. And so yeah. I I believe in that. What what goes around comes around. So yeah. So what so, you put out, we'll get back. Yeah. So you have always loved to travel and teach, and then you shifted to online, and the big business has grown so well over the pandemic. And now you're doing a few select things here and there, teaching and mm-hmm. speaking. But tell us a little bit about some of your lectures because you'll do that virtually still as well, right? Yeah, um, I still do lectures for guilds um, on Zoom. And I think that was one of the most fabulous things that that um, happened during the pandemic. Everybody learned to use Zoom and realized how really it's a thing that we all needed in our lives to connect easily. So yeah, I still do that. I do just a little bit of travel. I just don't have the time. I mean, I would have to clone myself to go back to my yeah. full-on schedule of traveling. And so out of my sanity <laughs> and Running the company here is uh, just not possible. But I do go, I teach at Road to California, some of the bigger shows. We're going to Houston, uh, Quilt Festival, Quilt Con in, in Raleigh. And then I'm going to teach in Norway next month. And I got a couple of cruises coming up next year. So those were actually canceled. They were supposed to be in 21 or one of them was. And so it was, it's a reschedule, but then it filled up so fast. So we added a second one. Oh. So that will be interesting. But but speaking of the, of the Zoom and that connectivity, one, one thing that we started during the pandemic was I used to have in-person retreats every year. And so mm-hmm. that had to be canceled because of, of the pandemic. So I organized the first virtual retreat and we had... <laughs> people from all over, from all over the world, doing the retreat, a three-day retreat on Zoom. But I do it a little bit differently because I also pre-record the the actual teaching, you know, demo so that people can go back and watch them over and over. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a full experience. You know, we send them a box. So I felt like it needed to be physical too. Everybody gets a box with their stuff. We discovered that virtual retreats was not really a pandemic thing. It was a very needed, much needed thing in our community because there are so many quilters that would never have the opportunity to travel to an in-person retreat. Yeah. Whether that is they have their caretakers or they have mobility issues or just can't uh, can't travel. And then when you're in an in-person retreat, maybe you talk to you know, 10, 15 people that are sitting around you. Yeah. But we had people from all over the world. So together. And so you get to interact and actually get to know so many more people than you would ever in person. So it was, we are now doing our fourth annual this next year. It was, it's an awesome thing. And we have hundreds of quilters on for three days straight and we play games and we have happy hour and and it's a whole experience. It was, it was, uh, it's just a lot of fun because you just connect on a whole, whole different level. 
but still yeah. learning. And, and then, you know, the commuter is awesome for the quilters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and they have and their own packing. studio. <laughs> I know they just sew at home. And well, some of them though would get together a few of them. So they would be together in a room, you know, a few yeah. friends, but then joining. Uh, yeah. It's just, that's been a really one of the, the greatest joys to, to host those. And we come up with some themes last this year's theme, we do it in March. This year's themes was we were all going on a river cruise. So every day, we did three days, we started off in New Orleans. And so then we listened to music from New Orleans that day. Uh, and we had treats from New Orleans and recipes from New Orleans, cocktails yeah. from there and things like that. And then next stop was Memphis. And then we ended up in Minneapolis. So every day had it had its own theme. And we kind of traveled without traveling. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so great. So do you have one of those coming up that people can sign up for and where should they go to do that? Yeah, we will. We haven't released all the information yet, but it will be in March and we usually release the information in December so people can start signing up for that one, our virtual retreat in in December. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the best idea, I I guess, is for them to sign up for your newsletter or your email list. So then they'll they'll be the first to know, right? Yeah. And if they're on Facebook, join the uh, Gudrun's Quilt Crew is our group there. So that's a great way. And we also always talk about it on the shows. So if you like watching videos, come join us on Tipsy Tuesday on YouTube or Facebook. Okay. That sounds good. So we have a couple more things before the break. I always love to ask, is there a quilt or quilt project that has been most memorable to you? Well, I would, of course, have to say the Iceland book. The Quilts of Iceland was was memorable just because it's was a long time coming and completely my own my own thing. So that was something very memorable. And then I should also say my Christmas in Europe was was one that was really fun to do and and hits home because it was really fun for me to learn about the different traditions, how they are the same in in countries that you know are adjacent to each other. And the history and going back. So that I just love diving deep into things like that. Gudrun, in your quilting world, what brings you joy? Oh, I mean, so many things. I mean, I if I need a little, you know, mental break or whatever, that is just I need to just sit at my sewing machine and piece some things for about 10, 20 minutes. I'm good. Yeah. Or just touch on fat fold some fabric. I mean, I'll go into the warehouse and fold fabric. <laughs> for our bundles, just that's that's there to be to me. But I think what brings me really the most joy is being able to bring people together. And I've been a teacher all my life. So when that light bulb comes out, goes off in a quilter and just the smile and the joy that you feel from a group of quilters when you something that you created is 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 the best, is the best. Yeah. You keep, that's what drives me. New patterns, new, new tools, new, whatever. It's the joy that it creates and spreads yeah. the world that was, is in very much of a need of joy. Yeah. That's <laughs> spark in your students. I love it. Yeah, okay. So yeah. right now we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk all about Gudrun's studio space, a little bit more about her live shows on YouTube and everything, and what's coming soon with GE Designs. We'll be right back. Discover a haven for sewing enthusiasts at angelssewing.com. Our store in Salem, New Hampshire is dedicated to providing a vast selection of high-quality sewing machines, fabrics, and accessories to help bring your creative visions to life. 
Whether you're a seasoned quilter, embroiderer, bag maker, or a beginner embarking on your first sewing project, we offer a range of products to suit every skill level. Our knowledgeable and friendly staff are always on hand to assist with your needs, ensuring a seamless shopping experience. Explore our online store and find endless inspiration for your next sewing adventure. Dive into our online treasure trove at angelssewing.com and let your creativity flow seamlessly with every stitch. At angelssewing.com, we're not just sewing, we're building a community of creators. So Yeah Quilting is Las Vegas's premier quilting and sewing supply retailer. Their goal is to provide the best supplies and customer service. Visit their store in person or shop online at soyaquilting.com. You can also find them on YouTube for tutorials, events, and flash sales to get a glimpse of who they are, what they do, and how much fun they have. For the So Yak Quilting family, it's a privilege to be in an industry filled with wonderful, caring people with a desire to make the world a little better every day. And we are back with Gudrun Erla, and I'm really interested in your studio space. So where do you personally create? So now I have actually two spaces. You know, we we got rid of our big, big house because once the business was out of it, uh, it didn't make sense for us, just the two of us. And so we uh, sold that house and we're in a small lake house here in Minnesota now. So I have a, a small room there, but I have I have a room, of course, overlooks the lake, but it's very minimal. So I just have my old vintage machine there and a cutting table and an ironing board. And I can do a lot there because I get to look at the lake So yeah. <laughs> as I am sewing. But I have a better studio at the house in Florida. So in the winter time, that's where we do a lot of the filming because we do have a studio here at the warehouse, but it is, it's just not as much of a quiet space for my creative part. So I get yeah. to create a lot there. And, you know, oddly enough, as a creator, as a designer, a lot of your work happens on the computer yeah. and not actually at the sewing machine. But when I get to sew, those, those are my spaces I wouldn't say that neither of them are big. The one I had at the big house was was beautiful, but yeah, you know, one day <laughs> I'll have a have a big one, bigger one again. So since you've grown your business kind of in leaps and bounds throughout the pandemic, let's give a little shout out to the team because obviously you're not doing this all alone. You have mm-hmm. a team behind you now. So tell us about them. Yes, I, I should say the biggest part of the team and and um, well, most important is my husband. He he is the producer. He edits the videos and all of those things. We have now, my son has entered doing a little producing as well. So he produces a couple of the shows, but we have an awesome team here at G and I like to activate my team into figuring out what really, what are their talents and what they love to do. So very few that have been hired for certain positions are doing exactly that now because they evolve. And and so it's, it's really, it's an awesome team. So so very versatile, we're very collaborative purposely as we grow. I, I have, as a leader, just really focused on having a collaborative environment, you know, kind of a flat organizational chart so that that it fosters that. And our values are, are really just all about bringing joy, innovation, and um, creativity out to our customers, as well as our team. We're very human-focused. 
Yeah. And when I first met you at QuiltCon last year, I kept creeping up to your booth. I kept coming around. There was this frenzy going on. I couldn't even get to you. I finally pulled aside one of your team staff members. And I was like, can you just tell her that at some point I need to talk to her during the And they were like, okay. So I finally was able to pull you away. We could hardly even find a quiet spot at QuiltCon to chat, but it was really nice to meet you for the first time there. Yeah, um, you too. But yeah, so the next thing I want to chat about, I probably will get email after email if I don't cover this topic, because you've hinted at it, you've talked about it a little bit. You go live on Facebook and YouTube every week, yes. uh, twice a week, actually. So let's mm -hmm. talk about those shows and how can people uh, subscribe to them or get involved to them or know where to go if they want to see that. Yeah, so uh, that would be our YouTube channel, if you prefer watching on YouTube, or if you like Facebook, we are also live on Facebook. So that would be finding our page on Facebook, GE Quilt Designs, and um, liking and following our page there. These days, you have to sign up for notifications if you want to just be reminded. But also YouTube is great, too. You can sign up for notification. And um, so we are live on Tuesdays. Tipsy Tuesday is at four o'clock Central Time. And every Tuesday. It's rare that it that it needs rescheduling. And then Friday show, we call it Happy Friday. It's a little more laid back, fun. And that's at 12 o'clock noon on Fridays. So I know it's not quite happy hour time, but <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> right so. in Minnesota at 12 central time. But you know what? It's five o'clock in Iceland. <laughs> so <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. So we always celebrate Friday. So those are the two shows that I do. And then we have one weekly show as well, which one of my team members, Colleen, does on Wednesday mornings, 9.30 a.m. It's called, it's a quick, you know, 10, 15 minute show. It's called One Yard Wednesday. It's kind of our version of, you know, the weekly deals and stuff like that. So One Yard Wednesday, she presents fabric and one yard cuts that are on super deals, really low price. But the twist is she always gives really fabulous ideas on what you could do with it always has a little tutorial, little tips and things like that. So they're fun, quick and easy ones to watch. Yeah. And when I was pouring through your website as well, under the shop tab, I saw all kinds of sale bundles, clearance and one yard mm -hmm. Wednesday specials and things like that. So there's all yeah. kinds of things like that on the website as well. Yes. Yes. There's a lot okay. of that. And of course, you can find the rulers there and all the tools that I've designed to use with the Strabology rulers. So that's all there. But that we have one more show, that, which is monthly. And two of my team members, Kara and Nancy, host that one. That one is really fun because it's they're quilters. And it's kind of just two quilters having a chat, talking about their favorite things and family life. And, you know, that's kind of like it kind of feels like a podcast, yeah. but it's video. To get to see yeah. stuff too. <laughs> oh, fun. Oh, that and they like do little sew alongs and things too. So it's that one is is really great. And they have one going on every third Thursday. Okay. And we've already covered your mystery block of the months. You did the mm -hmm. stroll in Paris. You did Christmas in Europe. And of course, London Calling. That yep. one particularly appeals to me because I go to London every year for the Festival oh, of Quilts in go. Birmingham. So wouldn't it be fun to participate in that project and then come to London with me? <laughs> yes, so absolutely. And I worked with a UK-based company, fabric company, Lewis and Irene. So I got to kind oh. of design fabric a little bit. So I play. I got to play with their artwork and recolor it. So we we put together a fabric kit too. You don't have to have the kit to do it, but we yeah. put together a fabric kit specially curated by me, and I got to recolor some of the prints. So that was really really fun. 
And we yeah. do a thread collection with Aurafil thread also to match. So, but oh, a fun. lot of folks pull in their own fabrics too. So all you need is just the digital package, the pattern and videos. Because you get yeah. a video too. I take you, I show you how to cut it all out even with the stripology rulers if you have them. So it's fun. Yeah, so great. Okay, so we've talked about a few fun things that are coming soon, like the virtual retreats. But tell us a little bit more about the advent calendars and how people can get involved. Yeah, so it's not necessarily Advent Calendar. It's an Advent, we call them the Advent Projects because there's right. four projects, one for each, you know, be- Tuesday before Advent. And when, the second year we did it, one of the comments that we heard a lot was folks really, they love doing them and love having that to do, but they didn't like having to go source the stuff they needed to make the project. So they yes. were ask, always asking, could we buy kits and stuff like that? So last year we put together an Advent box so uh-huh. they purchased the box and in there, there was four individually wrapped packages. So they could open it on the day that I released the tutorial. And then they had all the stuff they needed to make the project. And along with a little gift also from us, because it's, you know, it's fun. It's holiday season. So yeah. that was really, really fun because you know how some, you know, some people have to open stuff ahead yeah. of time. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the fun part about that is even if they would open the bag before they were supposed to, they had no idea what to make because they just saw the, yeah. the, the, you know, the fabrics and the tools and said, so, like, what is this going to make? They didn't know what it's going to be until the day off. So, yeah. So they got a sneak peek, a secret sneak yeah. peek, but they still didn't have any idea. <laughs> they what have no clue. Be. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That sounds great. Okay. So now it's time for the lightning round, Robin. It's a series of rapid fire questions and it's super fun. Are you ready? Sure. Let's go. Okay. What is your favorite tool or notion? Well, duh. Astrobiology <laughs> ruler. <laughs> and do you ever have do you ever have a quilting escape of your own where you step away from the business and just have your own special quilting time? You know what? Not so much where I used to do this with with friends or, you know, go away, but I haven't had time. I do I call them my own when I escape by myself up to my sewing room. And I get to sew, whether it's for work or not, it's still joy for me. So yeah. people always ask, do you get to just sew not something for work? But, you know, sewing for work is joy. If I'm creating, so yeah. especially something new, that's 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 me. So I do, yes, I do create those those spaces where I'm just up there with my audio book in my ears and 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 creating. That's Those are the best. I, I, I need to make more of those, but yeah, me too. it's always on the list making more. <laughs> Okay. Is there a skill you'd still love to learn in quilting? Not that I maybe learn it, but I would love to play with it. So I, I got myself a long arm uh, for my birthday a few years ago. And yeah. so I've only done like edge to edge design, computerized design, because free motion just takes practice. I mean, yeah. it takes time. So I, that's one thing that I still want to at some point put some time into playing with. And that, I would say that'd be that free motion, long arm quilting and ruler stuff, which I haven't really never tried. Yeah. Oh, it's super fun. You have to try it. Have you had any weird, funny or crazy quilting moments? Oh boy. Yeah. Lots. I mean, it's, it's the moments where, you know, 
I wouldn't call myself a celebrity. It's only if I'm at a quilt show or something will I get recognized and people come up to me, which is just fun because we're just quilters. Yeah. But, you know, that's the beauty of, you know, people say, oh, you're a celebrity. I'm like, no, I'm not because I can still go to the grocery store. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> and uh, in my jammies, pretty much. But it, it's there's been moments where, you know, weird places where you don't think that you're going <laughs> to, somebody's going to know you, but it has happened at like, middle of TSA as you oh no you know? and uh trying to go you know, se- you, through security <laughs> or like the weirdest ones are maybe and you're in the bathroom and then somebody's in the next stall and starts <laughs> talking to you and that's, that's those are the ones that are kind of like um, uh, can we just pause for a second till we get out of here <laughs> yes can we just take this somewhere else <laughs> oh, funny funny okay that's kind of cute has there been a mentor or a few who have really influenced you along your journey? Oh, definitely. There've always been a few. Um, and probably my first one that I would mention uh, would be Debbie Caffrey. She inspired a lot of me. She was just really always so great sharing advice and and things with me early on in my design career and good friend. And so I got to know her really well. I, I brought her to Iceland to, to teach. And, and so that was really kind of in the start of my journey as a designer. She was a great big part of that. And then I've had had many. I mean, some of my colleagues are my inspiration and, and people that I work with all the time. Yeah. So too many to name, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you have any unusual, strange, or favorite collections of things? Oh, People will probably mention my my collection of liqueurs in my liqueurs. bar. Oh, for I your have, cocktails. I, I, if I see a new flavor of something, I have to have it, even though the, most of them are full, because I'll try one or something. But that that would be probably one. And um, I mean, no-brainer would be fabric. Yeah, <laughs> no-brainer. Yeah. But we don't call that weird or excessive, <laughs> do we? No, no, of course not. Okay. Do you have any other favorite hobbies besides quilting? Oh boy. Um, I do just love outdoors being out in nature, even though I don't always get a chance to do as much of it, but just, you know, moving and getting outside and moving your body and breathing fresh air. I mean, especially in Iceland, that's something that's a part of everyday life. Yeah. And then here in Minnesota, it's getting out on the lake in the summertime is, is there's nothing like, like it. And so, so I I would say that's probably it. I always, I've dabbled in all kinds of hobbies and they always, I buy all the stuff and I get it all and then do a little bit. And then it always goes back to quilting. It's just, that's my passion. So nowadays I'm like, nope, I know that's, that's really that big shiny object, but I'm just going to leave it alone Yeah, to my happy place. Oh, that is great. That's some good self-control. Mm-hmm. Do you, Okay. And the last question is, do you have any furry friends in your studio? Oh, yes, we do. We have a little, well, he's not very little. We have Kobe. Kobe is nine years old. He is a mini Labradoodle, but he's not much mini and he's not much doodle. He pretty much looks like a black lab. But Kobe is well known around... GE and our shows because he's always there. You will see sometimes in the background a black tail kind of walking past and he'll he's he's talking right now out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's a part of our he's everywhere I go. He's my shadow, I would say, Aww. everywhere I go. 
How sweet. Okay. Well, thank you for braving the lightning round, Robin. That was super fun. So I've mentioned your website a couple times, gequiltdesigns.com, where we can find everything you offer. But where's the best place for quilters to connect with you on social media? Social media would be, we're on Facebook. So that is also GE Quilt Designs is our business page. But then our group is called Gudrun's Quilt Crew. Yeah. So I would encourage you if you're on Facebook to join us there because it's such a great community, big community, but it's a closed group, which is great so that everything you share there is not shareable outside the group. So yeah. you can share photos of your quilts and things like that. So that's Facebook. We're on um, Instagram. It's G Designs Gudrun. And yeah, that's on YouTube, of course, is G Designs is our is our YouTube channel. So just Google G Designs, you'll, you'll find us. Now, as we wrap up, Gudrun, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? Oh, I'm probably just be intrigued about getting into this world of stripology and G-Easy. Just, I think what encapsulates my brand is we quilt for joy. We make things fun and easy and enjoyable. And I have built this beautiful community of quilters, supportive community of quilters. And just yeah. those that like to have fun, like to create, make more quilts. Yeah. That's I was it. so impressed by everything that's transpired over the pandemic. And if you're interested in getting involved in that community, go on Facebook, check out Gudrun's Quilt Crew, because that's where all the magic happens. That's where the community is. You can all talk to each other, share your things. That's the place to get started. Okay. Yes. So Gudrun, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So that was my show with Gudrun Erla of GE Designs. I loved our conversation about her quilt alongs during the pandemic. It was the perfect pivot from suddenly not being able to teach or travel anymore at all to offering quilt alongs that grew to over 37 countries and thousands and thousands of people. And beyond that, Gudrun turned those into fundraisers with pattern sales going to charity. One really cool tidbit that I learned today that I didn't know about was about the Stripology certification. She's only one person and she can't be everywhere. So if you have some really good skills as a teacher and you want to expand your portfolio, you can find out if the course is a good fit for you. Now, I want to close off by saying when I announced last year that I would be at QuiltCon, one podcast listener and Gudrun fan contacted me and said, you must meet Gudrun somehow in person at QuiltCon and invite her to be on the podcast. And I did just that. So I have guests on my show by referral from past guests only now. But when a fan tells me about a maker that they love, that means the world to me. And what a great episode this has turned out to be. I loved sharing Gudrun's story with you. Do you have a quilty biz and you advertise? Forget expensive magazine ads and who knows what happens with social media ads. Podcast advertising is a great price and stays up for the life of the podcast. Each Quilter on Fire podcast gets over 5,000 unique listens. And if you are a quilty biz, my audience is your ideal customer. I'm booking ad spots into 2024, so if you have something to promote in the new year, send me an email at brandy at quilteronfire.com to plan your ad and choose your dates today. The Japan Textile Tour with the Quilter on Fire is officially a go. Travelers are now booking their flights and we start our tour from Tokyo to Kyoto on May 19th, 2024. 
There are a few spots left, so if you need to check Japan off your bucket list, call Judy from Opulent Quilt Journeys at 1-877-235-3767 to book your trip today. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.